The Air Attack with BC The Man can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. Subscribe and share today. Hey, what's up, guys? We are back on the Air Attack. I am your pal, BC. Follow me on Twitter at BC, a.k.a. The Man. After a week off, I was in Tampa last week. No spring training to enjoy because, hey, we know. But uh, they got everything sorted in baseball. Got rid of some crappy rules, too. No more of the seven-inning doubleheaders. No more of the runner on second in uh, an extra inning. So good stuff there. They finally get things sorted. Would have been nice to catch a game when I was in Tampa. Uh, At least see spring training, but that's just how it is. Did go to the SEC tournament. No alcohol there. You can have alcohol. You can have alcohol outside, but you can't have alcohol when you're inside the building unless you are in a suite. I learned that lesson the hard way on Wednesday. Got tickets. No alcohol. Up and down. Like every looked everywhere. The staff really didn't even know what was going on because it wasn't an arena rule. It's not a Tampa rule, obviously. It's an SEC rule, and it's ridiculous. I actually ended up inadvertently in the commissioner suite. That's where I. That's where I ended up. I ended up in, in Greg Sankey's suite. And not can't be in there. Can't be a get out. Go somewhere else. Go. Go with the commoners. No alcohol for you. So the next night, I got us a suite. Me and my buddy Dougie's in town from Scotland. Wanted to show him a good time down there. Okay. Get a suite. There's no alcohol in the suite. You're allowed to have it. They just didn't put it in there. Some, some dickhead basically got a bunch of tickets and then sold them to the suite, but didn't put anything in, in there for us. What makes it even better, you could only order food for like eight people at a time, which is what the person who has the suite is supposed to do before you actually get there, but they didn't. And the arena takes no responsibility for that. And I even called ahead of time to see what the deal was, and they wouldn't disclose what the situation was going to be. So we go in there with, you know, not having eaten. We had, I mean, we had, we had brunch, but this is like six, seven hours later now. We go in there not having eaten, and there's no alcohol there. So you can only buy six packs at a time and then bottles at a time. So we start with a couple six packs of beer and then decide, hey, what the hell, bottles, bottle of Tito's. That'll do it. Problem is, the game's ended. We still got half a bottle of Tito's left. But of course, once you pay for it, you don't want to let it go to waste because that's a sin. So that night went about exactly the way you probably imagined. Ended up with a $25, $25 lift ride to go about three blocks by the end of the night. Not very good. Anyway, other than that, pretty good time in Florida. That's about as far into detail as I'm willing to go. But uh, you got to have alcohol. You've got to have alcohol at these tournaments. This is ridiculous. What, what, what are you trying to prove by not having beer? At the SEC champion, SEC tournament. Honestly, what is what is the point of that? And the place is basically, honestly, the, the place was maybe one third full because people don't want to travel to be treated like like all of a sudden they became Quakers for the weekend. It, it's ridiculous. Anyway, that was that. Other than that, pretty good time in Florida, and uh, we'll leave that there. Lot to get to today. Obviously, it is March Madness, best sporting event in the world, run by some of the worst people in the world. We will get to a little preview of the bracket. I'm not going to go game by game, but I will go team by team in terms of. What I've learned this season, but we'll do that a little bit later. Um, the Russia, the Russia Ukraine situation carries on. Obviously, war is never fun. War is never good. I think I talked about this on the last show, but a lot of coverage, kind of tough to figure out exactly what's happening. What is going on, though, with Chelsea in the English Premier League? They have a Russian owner. Okay, I get it. He's got ties to Vladimir Putin. Okay, I get that, too. All of a sudden, he's being tossed out, but it goes further than that. They're losing sponsors left and right. And they're also being told they can't make any kind of transactions. They can't sign players. They can't even sell tickets they haven't already sold to this point until this guy is out of the organization. I'm going to say what I said last time about the entire reaction where everyone's basically, let's pray for Ukraine. I stand with Ukraine. Let's do a candlelight vigil. Is it my imagination or has Vladimir Putin been a pretty bad guy for a pretty long time? 
I don't get this. I mean, I do get it. I, I understand what's going on. But, but really, this makes no sense whatsoever. They're punishing the players. They're punishing the fans. They have nothing to do with this. And if the English Premier League has such a problem with Vladimir Putin and what he's doing now, why didn't they have a problem with this guy when he bought the team to begin with? You know, nobody had a problem having the World Cup in Russia just a few years ago. And now we've gone from that to this. Remember he, remember, he moved in on Crimea, and that was a big story back in like 2013 or 2014. So why are we now crucifying this guy? It's amazing. These coordinated campaigns against people, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, Joe Rogan, recently Phil Mickelson, where you just act like the guy's the worst person on the planet just because it's popular to do, just because it's fashionable, like it's his turn. And I'm not, I'm not feeling sorry for Vladimir Putin or, or Russia or anything like that, but the guy that owns Chelsea, if he is such a bad guy, why is he a bad guy now if he wasn't a bad guy a few years ago? They got anything to say about where they just had the Olympics? Anything at all, guys? Anything. The, the, the sponsor on the center of the jersey, I believe it's called Three Communications. It's a, like a cellular service around the UK. You think some of their parts are maybe made in China? Just possibly. I mean, I haven't really researched it, but I'm just going to venture a guess that something that is part of their service or their equipment is made in China. Are they okay with where they just had the Olympics? Is China, I guess China's, China's a good country, right? China good, Russia bad, that's what we're going? Okay, got it. How about where they're having the World Cup this year? Are they okay with that? Yeah, something tells me they are. It's weird. It's weird. I tell you what. I tell you what, if, if the way they, they behave in Qatar and the way they run their country in Qatar, maybe we should bring some of those rules to the UK then, since every, there's nothing wrong with what goes on there, right? So that just shows you how full of shit they are. The English Premier League, first of all, the English Premier League is still taking a knee before the games, okay, and engaging in all that that ridiculous, absurd, over-the-top, basically super left-wing virtue signaling. They try to put on the guise of being some organization that really cares about doing the right thing and acting like they're some, on some kind of moral high ground when it's just everything they do suggests the opposite, okay? That's just how it is. I mean, first of all, you're letting NBC bury a lot of your better teams on Peacock, which is an app that nobody wants. Okay, so they're allowing NBC to use the English Premier League to strong our people into subscribing to this terrible app. No one wants to watch a, bu a bunch of recycled Saturday Night Live stars star in some eight-episode you know, program that's probably going to go one season on this crappy app, okay? They don't want to watch Amber Ruffin dress up in a glittered tuxedo and talk about how it's racist that Kyle Rittenhouse isn't going to be thrown in a hole for the rest of his life because three, three um, you know, freaks tried to kill him. Okay, while, while, by the way, they were trying to set a, a gas station afire in Kenosha, which is all true, by the way. So, you know what? No one wants to subscribe to that. So what do they do? They use the soccer, and the soccer says, yeah, no problem. Give us enough money. It's no problem. So I, I don't, the English Premier League is so full of shit on a regular basis. This is just an extension of that, but this is way over the top. I mean, if you want to tell the guy, if you want to say, look, we've had enough, um, you know, maybe we should have done this sooner, but he's got to sell the team. Okay, fine. They can't sell more tickets. They can't sign any player. They can't make transactions until it takes a long time to sell a team. And you're just going to spring this on these guys now? Ridiculous. Absolutely, positively ridiculous. But again, not the first ridiculous thing the EPL has done, and it certainly won't be the last. Speaking of ridiculous, Jesse Smollett's going to jail. And good for him. 150 days. He's not going to jail because he's black. He's going to jail because he's a pile of trash. Also, because he's a moron. Um, stages a hate crime. Let's everyone basically look for people who don't exist. Uh, then when the guys who he worked with who stage a hate crime get themselves in trouble, he tries to point the finger at them. The problem with that is that those guys are not white. In fact, they're not close to white. They're actually quite black. 
And basically, now I'm not saying the guys are innocent, but the bottom line is this was obviously Jesse Smollett's brainchild. This is also a guy who has deep connections to politics, and for some reason, no one wants to talk about that, including including ties to the vice president of the United States, who referred to him as a good friend, referred to him as a victim of a, of a lynching. That's what she said. And now, listen. You want to talk about doing something stupid and it won't be the first or last time. I, I'm not even going to start in on Cam Harris, but keeping it to Jussie Spillett. The kid has deep ties to Washington, D.C. and a ton of politicians. The prosecutor in that case, Kim Fox, should have been fired a long time ago for misconduct. If not for the fact that she's tight with the Obamas, she likely would have been fired, too. This was an absolute disgrace. OK, in terms of what he did. Yeah, he, he had cops in Chicago, which has an issue with crime to begin with and a major issue with crime looking all over the place for the people that did this thing while other criminals are out there basically getting away with shit because of Jussie Smollett. So he should go to jail. I don't care. He should go to jail. Maybe if he pled guilty, but the problem with him pleading guilty is that he'd have to, he'd basically have to admit that he just made this whole thing up, which was basically going to be a microcosm of politics right now. Where we're making mountains out of molehills. We're suggesting everyone's out to get a certain group of people. We have white supremacists roaming the streets. Okay, which is why he did it to begin with. Let's cut through all the bullshit with all his friends and politics and people that came rushing to his defense. Okay, Hollywood and politics, both. We all know what this is. We all know what he was trying to do, trying to make a name for himself, trying to make a shit ton of money by being a victim. But the way he played the victim now, he's an actor, but the way he continued to play the victim goes on stage and does his little music act and and, and talks about it. There goes and does an interview, I think, with Robin Roberts and just lies, bold face of the camera, just lies through his teeth. And waste all of this time and all this money and all these resources on what never on something that just never happened, something that he completely fabricated. Yeah, he should go to jail. He absolutely should. And I, and I hope they're trying to get him out of jail now saying that he's he's in danger. No, 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 no. He should have thought about that before he pulled all this shit. Goes back to what I've always said. Crazy people never consider the consequences. It's hysterical when they're planning shit like this. It's the funniest thing in the world. Then when they get caught, it's bloody murder. Hey, listen, man, you want to do you wanted to do the crime. Do the time. Do it like a man, okay? You are man enough to do all this shit. Be man enough to take it on the chin. Just how it goes. Not to mention he's probably in protective custody anyway, but he's going to bullshit like he's, like he's scared because that's what he does. He's just a terrible person. He is a horrible and hideous human being. But you know what? He'll probably work in Hollywood again. Someone, someone will hire him in Hollywood. Hollywood, that's just how it is. Um, NFL stuff, very, very active the last couple days. Deshaun Watson apparently now is doing interviews with teams where basically he's interviewing the teams themselves. The problem is he's got to approve a trade, whether it's the Carolina, the Saints, the Browns. I think the Steelers might be interested here. The Steelers did just sign Mitch Trubisky, so who knows? He's got to approve any place he goes to, but then Houston's got to approve the package that the team offers. It's still a very tricky situation, but one thing that you figured out here with Deshaun Watson very quietly, the prosecutor presented charges to a grand jury last week, and they didn't indict him. And if you can't indict somebody, that usually means you had very, very little to go on. These teams now are basically throwing themselves at Deshaun Watson. That tells you they're confident he didn't do what he's accused of. Now, because of his talent, is it possible some of these teams are willing to let some things slide? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, if you want to look at the Saints, for instance, they signed Jameis Winston. You know, Jameis Winston is not really known for being a Boy Scout. If you, if you want to, you know, really just sort of sugarcoat the situation with Jameis Winston. Okay, now with the things he's accused of doing are, you know, kind of in the past. But still, you know, they were, they were there. To me, it just says that these teams are confident that Sean Watson's not going to face discipline from the league. He's not going to face discipline out in the public. And that's just how it is. Very interesting situation, though, where he has to approve where he's going. But also the, the Texans have to approve whatever package 
is getting sent their way. And there's a million rumors. Hey, listen, it's like a lot of these things. It's fun to speculate, but I'll believe it when I see it. Okay, when it happens, then we'll know what's going on. But what has made his situation even trickier is a couple of other things that have happened. Number one, Aaron Rodgers went and basically played the Green Bay Packers like a fiddle. I mean, he absolutely played. I mean, he played them like, I mean, this was the ultimate puppet master job with Aaron Rodgers. I'm fed up. I don't want to be around. Going all the way back to last summer, I don't want to be around. They went and drafted this quarterback. I'm not happy. I mean, too much has happened. I just don't see myself. Okay, I'll play this season, but then I'm going to have to reevaluate. This is going to be it. The last dance. Remember that? He goes on Instagram. Here's the last dance and everything. Next thing you know, boom, $50 million a year. Still playing at a high level. Hard to imagine him with any team other than the Packers. I mean, he just kind of belongs there. So uh, it works out well for the Packers. Works out well for Aaron Rodgers. Now you wonder if Devontae Adams is going to stay. They try to franchise him. He said he's not going to play under those circumstances. We'll see how it goes. But Aaron Rodgers isn't going anywhere. So that kind of complicates the Deshaun Watson thing, right? It really probably leaves one more landing spot open for Deshaun. But one less landing spot now is available because Russell Wilson is going to Denver. Deshaun Watson doesn't want to go to Seattle, but Russell Wilson is going to Denver. Denver is pretty much stacked. I mean, they got, if you really look at them, offensive line is a little shaky, but Russell Wilson's had a shaky offensive line, it seems like, the last five, six years, at least in Seattle. So that's something he can kind of deal with. But Noah Fant, now Noah Fant's part of the package going to Seattle. You got him, you got Albert O at tight end, okay? So you don't really lose a ton with, with Noah Fant as long as you got one, one solid tight end in there. Jerry Judy, okay? K.J. Hamler is a burner, Got himself hurt last year, but he'll be back. Hopefully, he's he's close to what he was when he left. That's your deep that's your deep threat. He's basically like another Deshaun Jackson. Okay, young kid out of Penn State. You got a solid running back in Javante Williams. You got some guys there. Okay, Cortland Sutton. You got some receivers there. You've got a lot of skill and a lot of talent in Denver. So Russell Wilson now goes to Denver. Also, Deshaun Watson is definitely not going to Tampa. Why? Because Tom Brady's done being retired. That was crazy. I mean, that was absolutely crazy. And to do that on Selection Sunday of all times, I you know I read that on Twitter, and I said, wait a second. What did I just read here? And I had to actually go and check, and I forget what account. It might have been like Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter or one of them. And I'm saying, okay, this has got to be a spoof, right? This has got to be a parody. This has got to be just to get something going. No. And then I wondered, hey, you know what? And whoever, whoever posted it had posted it from Tom Brady's account. And Tom Brady's verified account, okay, right there on Twitter. You see it. I said, maybe, maybe Tom Brady got hacked. Am I reading this the right way? Like, he couldn't just let the kids have their day. He decided on a Sunday night. So the day after I get back from Tampa, Tom Brady decides he's staying there. I would have been, that would have been a fun night, I think, to have been out and about uh, around the Bay. I think that would have been uh, pretty exciting, to be honest with you. I think people are probably going crazy. So he's staying put. It's worth noting, though, you just had an offensive lineman retire, right, in Tampa. Didn't Ali Marpet just retire? And they had another offensive lineman, I think, signed somewhere else. So they've got to straighten out their offensive line, especially for him. He does not like getting hit, if, if you're unaware. But the fact that he does this now does mean that a lot of your free agents, and maybe he just decided, hey, listen, i got to make a decision now before free agency starts. This is going to keep guys here or make other guys want to come here. i got to do this now. Okay, fine. But to me, once again, the timing of it all is just wild. There is speculation that perhaps Tampa is not exactly where he wants to play. Maybe he wants to go play for the Niners. Maybe he wants to go play someplace else. Bruce Arians was clear that uh, if he plays, if Tom Brady wants to come back, he can come back with the Bucs, but the Bucs are not going to let him go anywhere else. We'll see how that plays out. My personal thought is that he's going to end up in Tampa. That's just what it's going to be. So we'll see how that goes. But a wild, really a wild weekend. Just as everything's getting sorted out with the NCAA tournament, a wild, wild, uh, basically, I don't know how to put this, a series of events 
and the NFL. And the one that still gets sorted out is still Deshaun Watson. Even the Jets were mentioned. Supposedly the Jets offered up like Zach Wilson and a just a ton of draft picks, which is totally on brand for the Jets. Totally, totally on brand. Here's all our draft picks. Take them. And the Jets need more than a quarterback. They went and drafted Zach Wilson. Now they want to turn his head into mashed potatoes the way they did with Sam Darnold. So we'll see. I, I don't really think Deshaun Watson is going to end up in East Rutherford. But hey, I really don't know a lot of things. So a guy who I've always thought was a good guy, too. Not that I, not that I you know, know all these guys inside and out. You don't never, ever really know what goes on with these guys once they disappear from the public spotlight. But I always thought Deshaun Watson was a good guy. This, this is the first thing you've ever heard of him misbehaving. And that whole thing just seemed kind of coordinated. When I, when I talk about like media campaigns and social media campaigns, this just all kind of popped up out of nowhere at a really interesting time down in Houston. And after all these years, after all of this investigating, all of this testimony, all these depositions, everything, no charges whatsoever, not one. I think that's pretty interesting. I'll just leave it at that. Now, let's get to the gambling. NCAA tournament time. Uh, now, just bear something in mind here, first of all, okay? While you fill out brackets or you make bets, a couple of things. Number one, Thursday and Friday, you don't have to bet every game. I promise you, there will be more basketball on Saturday and Sunday and then again the ne next week. You don't have to bet every game just because it's an all-day free-for-all uh, with basically a smorgasbord of action being offered. That's number one. Number two, if you haven't seen some of these teams, and there's a couple teams I haven't seen, not a lot, but a couple, Okay, if you haven't seen some of these teams, it's okay to just get a look at them in that first game, especially in the age of halftime betting, live betting, things of that nature. You can get a feel for this and say, wait a second, this team can do this. This I didn't, I didn't realize this team is this is actually a matchup problem, whatever. If you have an unknown team, get a look at them. Nothing wrong with doing that. I mean, there's 68 teams here. You're not going to be an expert on all of them. Very few of you are. Which leads to my second point, and that is that a lot of people you're going to watch on TV this week or, or online, okay, different websites, different, you know, whether this website is just specializing in sports, specializing in wagering, what have you. A lot of people that you're going to watch are not going to have any idea what the hell they're talking about. You can usually tell because they'll give you picks with no sort of explanation whatsoever. They don't talk about a matchup issue. They don't talk about a guy who's hurt. They don't talk about a guy who's playing well. They don't talk. They might talk about, you know, generalities. Like, I really like Michigan State because let's face it, Tom Izzo in March. Am I right? Like, like shit like that. My, the bottom line is you're better off probably making these picks on your own. You want to listen to someone like me. That's great. But a lot of the people that actually are on television, okay, at major networks or on major websites, really don't know what the hell they're talking about. And they're not. And even if they're the ones giving the picks, there might be someone behind them that knows a little bit about what they're talking about, but they're just being spoon-fed these picks. It means nothing. There's a lot of... Right now, what's happening is get a lot of sort of gambling personalities that are popping up out of the woodwork, and it's like they're doing comedy routines or they're good-looking chicks, and people are just like, oh, yeah, let's follow. No problem. No, no problem. And, and they, they get up there and they give you picks with confidence, but they just know they never post any kind of record, none whatsoever. They, and they, the other thing I see all the time is this, all the time. Oh, you know who I like? Um, I like, um, I think I like Indiana plus six. And I'm going to sprinkle a little on the money line. What, what, do, you what do you mean you're going to sprinkle? What, what is the point of that exactly? How much are you talking about? So like if you're betting like 500 bucks on a game, what is your idea of sprinkling? They don't even tell you anything. They don't even tell you anything. And by doing that, okay, if you're starting to put, put money on teams to win games as opposed to cover, those are two totally different brands of handicapping. Like, if you think a team can stay within, like in football, if a team can stay within eight and a half because it's going to be bad weather, the game's going to be slow moving, there's not going to be a lot of point score, there's not going to be a lot of possessions, and you feel like, hey, listen, this is going to make it easier for this team to cover eight and a half points because they're playing that game at Buffalo in cold weather and they're going to try to grind the clock or something, that's one thing. But then you think they're actually going to be able to win the game? That's totally different. So that doesn't, it's not always called for. When you take an underdog, it's not always called for to sprinkle some on the money line. 
But yet again, you see it all the time, especially in college hoops. Oh, I think I like that. And you know what I think I'm going to do? I think I'm going to sprinkle a little on the money line. And they say it like they're some kind of expert, like they just came up with that move. It's one of the most ridiculous moves. And what it's, what it's, been, what it's become, basically, is a tell that you're listening to somebody who really doesn't know what the hell they're doing. And you're, you yourself are the dupe. I'm, I'm just saying. Okay, so, hey, if, if what you want to do is be made to laugh, while you piss your money away, go ahead. If what you want to do is get a look at a hot chick doing a video while you piss your money away, knock yourself out. It's your money. I'm just letting you know you might be the sucker. That's how it goes. Now, I'm going to run through the brackets, okay? I'm not going to go bracket by bracket, game by game, game by game, because that is absolutely tedious and it's fucking stupid. But I'm going to try to give you a little bit of intel on some of these teams that I do know a little bit about. Starting with Gonzaga, favorite to win the entire thing. Absolutely can be beaten. Tough to get a feel for them during, uh, during West Coast Conference play. I think the way to beat them is to match up with them inside. You saw this a few weeks ago with St. Mary's. St. Mary's kind of slowed the game down, but St. Mary's kind of collapsed inside on Gonzaga and gave Timmy and the kid Holgram uh, big problems, real big problems inside, forced them to make shots from the outside, which they absolutely can do. But if you don't collapse inside on them, they're just going to move the ball around to whether they get an open three or they get an open look down low and you're making life really easy. St. Mary's was able to actually make them work and slow the game down. Kind of the keys if you want to get, uh, basically just give Gonzaga a game. Boise State and Memphis in the 8-9 game. Memphis has been decimated with injuries this year. Some internal problems with Penny Hardaway and some of the players. They're playing much better at the end of the year. Kind of a tough matchup if they can get past Boise State for Gonzaga, like in, you know, in your second-round game, but probably not good enough to beat Gonzaga. Boise State, people are gaga over the Mountain West. I've not seen a ton of Mountain West this year. I'm, I'm trying to figure out exactly what the love affair is, and I just can't figure it out. 5-12 game. You got UConn going up against New Mexico State. UConn, to me, is one of the better teams in the country um, as a five seed. Very, very dangerous. New Mexico State won't be scared. Basically, they are the premier program out in that conference. I think it's the WAC conference out there. I don't think they match up with UConn. I just don't think they can hang with them. They may hang with them early because, again, they won't be scared. But um, UConn's a superior team to them. Arkansas-Vermont. Arkansas gets past Vermont. They're going to have their hands full with UConn. Like a lot of SEC teams, Arkansas has been kind of up and down this year. Very long in terms of physically. A lot of guys who are just long, like in that 6'6", 6'8", range. Very long arms. They can play very good defense. Not the strongest inside. I just think physically UConn would be tougher in that game were they to match up. I, I just don't think that's a very good matchup for Arkansas, but they could outscore them. But I, to me, that's a very, very tough one. Here's another tough one. You got Rutgers and Notre Dame playing in, I think that's going to be Wednesday, like a play-in game. That'll be a very good game. That'll be a very good game to watch. That game just has like 65 to 62 written all over it. Rutgers, probably the more athletic team, probably the better defensive team, and they've got some scores there. Okay, they got guys like Ron Harper Jr. They got, they got some players there. Notre Dame is more like a fine-tuned machine. Now, you're going to watch the game and say, okay, well, Notre Dame's got the white guys, Rutgers has the black guys. That's why you're saying this. No, it's not it. Rutgers plays a certain kind of, basically a tougher style and will fly around the court a lot more than Notre Dame. Notre Dame's just a little bit more methodical. They can hit shots, got a lot of guys that can hit threes. They got a couple of guys inside this year. A lot of times it's been their problem not having size. That's not their issue this year. Notre Dame was actually the number two team in the regular season in the ACC. Somehow ends up sneaking into the last four teams having to play a playing game against Rutgers. This will be a very interesting matchup for, the, for, for people to watch. I think this is really a, a fun game, and I think it's going to be on Wednesday night. Whoever wins that game, though, to me, poses a problem for Alabama. Alabama is so soft defensively, and I watched them lose. And I, Like I said, we got a sweet at the SEC tournament. You should have seen the looks on these guys' faces like they were disgusted. And then, of course, I get a couple drinks in me, especially after we ordered the bottle of Tito's, and I start explaining to everybody what's wrong with their team, which they really wanted to hear. They were all interested in hearing my breakdown of how much their team sucks and why. But here it is. Alabama just doesn't really play a lot of interior defense. 
Rutgers and Notre Dame are actually both very sound and very strong inside. That's a problem for them. I'm telling you, it's a big problem for them. Plus, Alabama gets very streaky with the outside shooting. Alabama can absolutely get upset in that game. Texas Tech should get past Montana State. To me, Texas Tech is one of the best teams in the country. Hellacious on defense. They're, they're, they're very... What's the word I'm looking for? Sort of frenetic on defense, but they also got guys who can score. It's not like a team that needs to keep you down in the 60s. That will be an interesting game. Texas Tech against whoever wins that Alabama-Ruckers-Notre Dame matchup. Whoever, whoever gets past that game, that'll be a tough game for Texas Tech. I think it's tougher if Texas Tech has to play Rutgers-Notre Dame. I think if they play Alabama, they'll eat them up. I really do. Michigan State's had a sloppy year. This is not a very good Michigan State team. Davidson gets an at-large bid out of the Atlantic 10. Um, Davidson's going to try to go slow. Michigan State will look like they're flying around compared to Davidson in this game. Davidson wants to run the offense, a lot of passes, try to hit from three. Um, do not allow offensive rebounds, that kind of game. That could be a tough game for Michigan State. It could be. Duke plays Cal State Fullerton. We assume Duke is going to get past them. Everyone's talking about Tom Izzo and Mike Krzyzewski. Everyone's talking about Duke. Every, people seem to be really annoyed that Duke is getting the treatment that they're getting this year. Should they be a two seed? Probably not. I mean, especially after losing in the final of the ACC tournament. The ACC is just terrible this year. I mean, they're just not not a very good conference. I, I shouldn't say terrible. Maybe I'm being a little tough on them. But if I look at, you know, Big East, Big 12, SEC, ACC, Pac-12, the, the ACC is clearly the worst of those. And it's not even like a, it's that long of a discussion. It, it, it's just the truth. So they get the two seed. They should get past either one of those two teams. They would play in the second round. Moving to the East, Baylor number one seed. Not sure I agree with that. Not that it matters that much, but Baylor... Baylor's got some injuries this year that they've had to get past, including including a big man inside that's not going to be back for the tournament. And I just think they are too soft on defense to really expect them to repeat after last year. I think they went through so much last year too with pandemic rules and guys basically, you know, uh, basically going into hiding for the basketball season because they didn't want to test positive for COVID and cutting off girlfriends and friends and everything else. It's a lot to ask a team to do that two years in a row, especially when they're banged up this year, especially when they lost guys from last year's team. So Baylor gets the number one seed. They should roll over Norfolk State. And in fact, I like them. I like Baylor. My Minus 21. Let's go with that. Let's take Baylor minus 21 in the first round. I think they are going to crush that Norfolk State team. And I mean crush. I just think matchup-wise, Norfolk State just doesn't have the talent to stick with Baylor. And I think in that first game, at least, they will absolutely cruise. North Carolina Marquette. Okay, it's not a bad 8-9 game. Marquette's probably a tougher team physically. You probably expect that out of the Big East. North Carolina up and down all year, especially on defense. Very streaky with the outside shooting. Uh, you just, you know, you thought that team was going to be better. They've sort of underachieved a little bit. I, I don't love the job Hubert Davis has done. You know, first year, okay, fine, I get it. Marquette probably gets by North Carolina if I had to guess in that game. And then, you know what, they probably give Baylor a game. Baylor, Baylor has a reputation for being sort of crazy on defense, like I talked about with Texas Tech. That's not what they are this year. I'm telling you, it's not a very good defensive team this year for Baylor, not, not compared to years past. They're good. I mean, they're much better than average. Don't get me wrong. If you look at their analytics and their stats and everything, they, okay, they put up good numbers defensively. But I'm just telling you, compared to years past, this is not as tough as a defensive team if you just watch them uh, as they've had before. Simple as that. St. Mary's, the five seed, they're going to play the winner of Indiana and Wyoming. Now, I don't understand what the love affair is with either the Mountain West or Wyoming. I've been hearing about Wyoming. I've watched them play a couple times this year. They're a decent, I mean, they're good. They're a solid team. But I don't know what it is on their resume that people have looked at and said, oh my God, we got to get this team in the tournament. I'm going to bring you through their schedule here quickly. Detroit Mercy, Arkansas Pine Bluff. Now, they did win against Washington. Okay, they won that game in Seattle. Okay, fine. But that's, Washington's not very good this year. Grand Canyon, who didn't make the tournament this year. Hastings College of Nebraska, which I think is like a Division two or three team. Cal State Fullerton, the University of Denver, McNeese State. They played Arizona. Now, those were all wins. But then they played Arizona, lost 94-65. to They beat Utah Valley. 
They lose to Stanford in Hawaii. They beat Northern Iowa in Hawaii by two, and then they beat South Florida in Hawaii by 20. Utah State, they win by two. They beat Nevada by 10. San Jose State, they beat New Mexico by two. Boise State, they lose. They beat Air Force. They beat Colorado State in overtime. Now, Colorado State's pretty good, but again, Mountain West, uh, just not seeing the love affair. They beat Boise State at home. Those are probably the wins that got them in. They beat Fresno State, Utah State in overtime, San Jose State, lose to New Mexico, beat Air Force again, lose to Colorado State. They beat Nevada, they lose to San Diego State, lose to UNLV, beat Fresno State in overtime, and then they go to the Mountain West Championship and they lose to Boise State in the second round after, after beating UNLV in the first round. Which one of those wins are, am I looking at where I'm like, oh yeah, this team's got to play in the tournament? Because they beat Colorado State and Boise, that, that's it? Those are the only two. There's nothing else at a conference that even remotely impresses you. I mean, don't tell me Washington. That's a joke. So I don't understand what the love affair is. Indiana's minus four. That seems like kind of a sucker line. Indiana is, is quite gifted physically. They're not very polished offensively. And they, they do go through a lulls. I think St. Mary's comes in. I remember Wyoming or Indiana, whoever wins that game, will have one day rest. I think St. Mary's will game plan it and, and get by. St. Mary's is a very tough out, kind of team that nobody really wants to play. Likely that team will be UCLA. Akron's got some talent, by the way. Akron's got some guys that can score. Unfortunately, they play one of the better defensive teams and one of the better defensive coaches in the country in Mick Cronin. So that's going to be a tough one for Akron. They got a couple guys inside with size. I just, I just don't think UCLA would have to play a bad game. I mean, you'd have to, you know, you'd have to have like five or six extra UCLA turnovers, something like that, I think, for Akron to advance. Akron could give them a scare, though, early. And then assuming UCLA gets by them, uh, St. Mary's could give UCLA a tough time. Absolutely. Texas, Virginia Tech. Okay, that's the 6-11 game. Texas has been up and down all year. Big expectations with Chris Beard. A lot of talent in the team, a lot of seniors, but just, again, another team that just struggles offensively. And the defense seemed to be a little shaky even later in the year. Not what you'd expect from that guy and that coach, but it is what it is. They have a big matchup advantage to me against Virginia Tech. Okay, that, that is a tough, tough task for Virginia Tech. They get in by winning the ACC tournament. They cost someone else a, a bid, obviously, by doing so. Um, they're going to have a tough time matching up with the size and strength of Texas. But again, Texas has been kind of an underachiever this year. Same thing with Purdue. Purdue is going to face Yale in the first round. There was a time when I would have said Purdue was the best team in the country. They just always seem to play down to their competition. They just do. I mean, really, if them against – they and Texas both have had that problem the entire year. Sort of ironic they're going to match up. Murray State, 7-10 game against San Francisco. San Francisco comes from the same conference as Gonzaga. They're a good team. Another team where I wasn't quite sure what the love affair was. They're good. They're decent. They were very good in conference. Um, don't make a lot of mistakes. It's going to be an interesting matchup against Murray State. Murray State wants to go fast. Remember John Morant a couple years ago um, came out of Murray State himself. So same kind of same kind of philosophy there. A lot of jumping. A lot of I mean a lot of lobs. A lot of fast breaks if they can get them. That's going to be an interesting matchup. Who can dictate the pace of that game? The winner of that game likely going to face Kentucky, who I assume will roll over St. Peter's. Boy, that was a lot of talking. You know, the best part is we're just halfway through. Let's go to the South Region, Arizona. Now, to me, Arizona is probably the best team in the country. Point guards hurt. Probably going to miss their first game, I would imagine. He's got his ankle. It looks like it's in pretty rough shape. He did post it on Twitter. Again, you follow me on Twitter at BCAK, the man. Posted his uh, picture of it, talking about trying to get back with his guys. I don't think they're going to put him in that first game. Uh, they'll have no problem with Wright State or Bryant, whoever wins that playing game as part of the first four. Arizona does a little bit of everything. They're an extremely, extremely talented team. They, they pass at a very high level. they got guys who can shoot, but they got a lot of size inside. Remember what I said about Gonzaga? You need some size to counter those guys, Timmy and, and Holgram inside. Arizona's got it, and they are a very polished team. Haven't lost a lot of games this year. Lost a very close game at Illinois. Lost another very close game at, at, ten, at Tennessee. I watched that game at Tennessee. This is going back a few months. 
They actually got themselves down big early, real big early. Made a comeback, still almost won that game. They are, they are to me, probably the best team in the country. And I would have said that about five or six different teams this year. You got a lot of teams. You know, every year you say, oh, it's going to be a crazy tournament. Uh, to me, it's not about all the upsets you're going to get this year. To me, it's about the teams that are seeded one through five that all have a shot to get through their region. I feel like like most of the one through five seeds, not all of them, but most of them have a decent shot to get to the Final Four this year. It's just how I feel. TCU, Seton Hall, um, eight, nine, Arizona will, will handle either one of those teams, okay? Quality teams, tournament teams, deserving of being there, but not, not at the level of Arizona. Simple as that. Houston, we assume, gets by UAB in the 5-12 game. Illinois will get by Chattanooga. Chattanooga cannot handle Illinois physically. They just can't. But here's the thing. When they play that 4-5 or five game, okay, assuming it gets there, Houston will have an issue with Illinois' size. Illinois will have an issue with Houston's speed, especially on defense. That'll be the fastest defense Illinois has faced all year. At times, Illinois has looked like a Final Four team, but most of those times have been at home. They've been a much better team at home than they've been on the road or neutral sites, but that will be an interesting second-round matchup. Colorado State is the six, in the 6-11 game. They're the 6th seed. Michigan's the 11th seed. Michigan sneaks in by basically playing about 500 basketball. I'm not sure I agree with them being in the tournament. I'm sure some people disagree. I'm sure the fact that they have a huge following didn't hurt their cause in terms of what goes on with the committee this year. I'm not going to get into how shady the committee is this year or any year, but there's always some shadiness, and I think this is part of it. Michigan's the 11th seed. Now, Michigan had some injury problems this year. They had some COVID problems this year. That has to have been factored in. That's the only excuse I can think of to let them in versus some of these other teams. It's just how it is. That'll be, an, that'll be to me, that's an intriguing game. That's a, that'll be a fun game to watch. Can Colorado State match up with those guys from Michigan? Michigan's the better team. But can Colorado State kind of step up and, and, and face a Big Ten team in that game? That will be, let me see where they're playing that game, too. Playing that game, playing at Indianapolis, too. Okay, so you'll definitely have some Michigan fans. you have Michigan fans in the building no matter what, but you'll definitely have some Michigan fans driving down and, you know, maybe some Colorado State fans there, too. But that'll kind of be a home game, I think. For Michigan, Tennessee will handle Longwood, and then Tennessee versus either one of those teams. Tennessee is better than those teams. Tennessee does, at, at times, frustrate their fans with the way they play offense. They just they get a little bit too pass happy. They just get a little too. It just feels like it's a grind trying to get good shots. That that'll be a good second round matchup there. Tennessee against the winner of Colorado State, Michigan. After Tennessee wins the uh, the SEC championship. Uh, Ohio State, Loyola. Now, Ohio State's not really a seven seed, but Kyle Young's been hurt. A couple, a couple guys have been hurt. Kyle Young especially. They're not quite sure if they're going to get him back in time. And in college basketball, you never quite know because you don't get a straight answer anyway. They're going to play Loyola of Chicago. Remember them? Loyola's actually favoring this game by one. This will probably be a very low-scoring game. Uh, Ohio State's a team, though, if they could get their guys back and get past, like if they can get past the first weekend somehow and get their guys back for the second weekend, they could go to the Final Four. I mean, they've got, they've got a lot of big-time players in that team. Unfortunately, they'll have to get past Villanova. Villanova gets a two-seed there. Not a ton of size of Villanova, but they do a lot of things really, really well. You know, don't make a lot of mistakes. So if you don't have, if, you know, Ohio State, Loyola, whoever comes out of that game, if Ohio State's not at full strength, they'll be up against it against Villanova. If somehow they can get to the next weekend, though, no one will want to play them. I'm telling you, as a seven seed, if they can get themselves to full strength, it'll feel like the most unfair matchup to whoever has to deal with them in the Sweet 16. That's just how it is. Going out of the Midwest, finally, Kansas at times has also looked like the best team in the country. Their problem, Kansas seems to go through these lulls where they just stop scoring for four or five minutes at, the, at a time. And it's really kind of wild to watch. If you look at some of the talent there, they brought Remy Martin in from Arizona State to play point guard. They got, you know, they got guys who've been in the, in the, in the program for a few years, like Brown and and Mitch Lightfoot and these guys, I mean, they got a lot of talent down low. They just have, they just have a little bit of everything. They do a lot, of, a lot of things really, really well. They've taken a couple bad losses on their home court, which never seems to happen, and they just seem to go through these funks where they stop scoring. 
That could be a problem in the second round with either Creighton or San Diego State, two pretty good defensive teams. So that could be something to look out for. If you're looking just to, you know, maybe throw things upside down in your bracket, Kansas has had a, has really had a had a problem maintaining offensive pace. And I don't mean like tempo, but I mean just just for just for some reason they have these really ice cold stretches that are just tough to tough to look at and tough to figure out. Anyway, that's kind of been the story of their of their year. Iowa wins the Big Ten championship. Not a team that was projected to be this good. They're they're in the five twelve game against Richmond. Richmond wins the A ten title, takes away an at large bid from somebody else. This could be a little bit of a matchup issue inside. Richmond's got some size inside. I would be on alert if I were Iowa here. Iowa basically outscores you. Uh, Keegan Murray, one of the best players in the country. You know, it just just a really just does a little bit of everything well. Kids about six seven, six eight. They got some guys still left over from from last year's club in Iowa. They shoot a lot of threes. If they got cold from three, I tell you what, Richmond could give them a scare. Providence, South Dakota State. A lot of people think Providence is a very overrated team. I think South Dakota State's a pretty overrated team, too. They win their league. They win the Summit League. People talked all year about them being an at-large team if they didn't, about how good they are offensively. I just don't see it. I don't think they are nearly as talented. Maybe they put up some nice numbers on paper, but this is why you, you want to watch the games. I, I to me, don't think they're going to they're gonna hang with Providence. I just don't think they can hang with a decent Big East team. That's just me. LSU is going to play Iowa State. You want to talk about two teams uh, going the wrong direction. Oh, my God. LSU gets a six seed. Will Wade loses his job. That was going to happen after the season anyway. When the NCAA presented a bunch of allegations last week, which was really interesting timing, uh, LSU basically had had enough and said, get the hell out of here. They fire him for cause, which uh, usually means no buyout. You're not getting any of our money. You're just leaving. Iowa State at one point was ranked like eighth or ninth in the country. I thought that was an absolute joke. They really, really struggle on offense. Nice coaching job there, but they struggle offensively. LSU's got a lot of talent. The effort level is not always a 10 out of 10, let's put it that way. And I think overall, it's been a tough tough year to get a feel for some of these teams if you're if you're trying to bet the games, but it's been a tough year for coaches for a couple reasons. Number one, the NIL deals have clearly gone to some of these kids' heads. It, 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 they just have. You might have internal jealousy over one kid getting a deal, not another. You've got kids that are already getting paid, so why should I play this hard? You know, it's like I've worked my entire life, and now I'm getting paid, so I don't need the NBA. You still want the NBA. You want the NBA money. But there's a little bit of a satisfaction thing going on with some of these kids saying, hey, I'm getting paid right now. I'm a stud. I think there's that, and I think there's also the issue of the transfer portal. These coaches don't want to push these kids to their limit because they're afraid of the kids saying, the hell with you, I'll just leave. In the case of LSU, I'm not saying this is necessarily the case, but I think that they knew the NCAA situation was hanging over Will Wade's head for these last few years, and they were just like, listen, man, I don't have to listen to you. You're going to be gone at the end of the year anyway. What are you really going to do to me? So kind of a tough team to figure out, but a lot of teams have been tough to figure out this year. Wisconsin will play Colgate. Colgate, once again, has a bunch of guys who can bomb from three-point range. Wisconsin is not this super slow-paced team that you've seen in the past. They got guys like Johnny Davis that can score. Brad Davidson came back for his fifth year. Uh, Tyler Wall's a very good player, young player inside. They've got a lot of guys that can score. Not the best defensive team. Not super talented. They don't play a lot of intense defense. You can get them inside too, but Colgate can shoot. They can really, really shoot. You probably see more points than you think in this game. USC will play Miami. To me, this is USC. USC is a much tougher physical team. Miami just kind of does a lot of things well. I, I don't really think they're the, you know, I don't, I'm not saying they don't deserve to be in the tournament, but let's face it, they really weren't tested that much this year. Playing in the ACC, I think as USC gets by them. And Auburn better watch out. There's another team, okay, right there. Auburn, you would have thought at one point, was clearly the best team in the country. Really tough to play in their own building. 
Jabari Smith is going to be a an early NBA draft pick expected to come out after this year. They bring in Walker Kessler from North Carolina, big guy that transferred over. I mean, they got they they can do a little bit of everything, but sometimes the effort level just isn't where it needs to be, and that's kind of been an issue for them. They lose early in the SEC tournament. I ran into some Auburn fans that night out and about in Tampa. They were not happy campers. And my, you know, my my sort of glass half full explanation to them was, well, maybe this is the wake up call the team needs. I'm not quite sure. We expect them to get past Jacksonville State, and then they should get past USC or Miami. But I'm telling you, USC could be a very difficult matchup for Auburn. Absolutely. So once again, you can make a case for most of these teams, especially like when you talk about the, the top four or five teams, you can make a case for a lot of them uh, in terms of getting to the final four. If you want to look at go region by region, I would probably pick Arizona to win the entire thing if I had to pick one. In that region as a dark horse, I would say Ohio State. That would be my dark horse there. In the West, you would pick Gonzaga. My dark horse there, let's go with the five seed. Let's go with UConn. UConn to me can surprise some people. In the East, who do we like in the East? Because I don't really love Baylor this year would probably be Kentucky. If I were looking for a dark horse, it would probably be St. Mary's. It would pro- That's probably where I'd go there. St. Mary's actually took down Gonzaga a few weeks ago, or a couple weeks ago, and looked, uh, looked very comfortable doing it. In the Midwest, in the Midwest, I would say Auburn's probably your best team. If we were looking for a dark horse in the Midwest, I don't know, does this Wisconsin count as a three seed? Did they count as a dark horse? I'd say USC as my dark horse there. USC has some players. And you want to talk about a coach who's cashing on this tournament? Remember Florida Gulf Coast a couple years ago? That's who's coaching at USC, Andy Enfield. He took that run, and he cashed right in, and he is still going strong at USC. We'll take them as a dark horse in that region. They could, they could do a little damage. Have to get past Auburn to do it, but eh, I think that actually can be done. I think they actually match up okay with Auburn, and as we know this time of year, we have to expect at least some of the unexpected just how it goes. Anyway. That's all the time we got this week on The Air Attack. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you check out Facebook.com slash The Air Attack. Also, follow me, BC, on Twitter at BC, a.k.a. The Man. And remember, The Air Attack with BC The Man can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. Subscribe and share today. Close it out tonight with Lace. Here's Checkmate. I'm BC The Man. I will see you guys next week on The Air Attack. This whole nation, I've been rhyming and grinding to be shining like diamonds, ups and downs through the struggle, but it just made me tougher, just made me smarter, made me flow even harder, you see, where I was brought up, you get easily caught up, moving that product, doing that dirt, but I'm doing this music, see my music's my work, and I do it, and I give it all I got, the last second on the clock, and I just made a shot, game on, checkmate, come on, checkmate, come on, checkmate, come on. me great the time is getting near i feel it i cannot wait doing shows selling clothes with hoes in different states so fuck an enemy gangster i don't pretend to be hustler for eternity independent mentality increasing my salary multiplying my revenue that's what i'm gonna do and when i do i'll keep it true maybe i heard my name but don't know what i've been through most of y'all would have quit but i continue continue to get this money continue to do these songs that's why i ride alone 